Aaron's already recording all this one right now. Oh, is it? I can delete it, but I want to record some sound effects right now. Why? <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of SG Explained. Elliot, we are finally in a physical studio today. <laughs> I'm actually surprised I'm sitting right across you at the table. I've got a whiskey in hand. It's, it's just a wonderful day to record. I know. Uh, our voices probably sound immaculate at the moment just because... We're recording in a proper, proper studio. Yeah, we here. are in Yellow Box Studios, courtesy of one of our guests, Rennie Gomez. And actually, let's just introduce our guest today for our topic of Zook. You know, while Elliot and I have a lot of history with the institution, we wanted to get people who actually know it and breathe it. So let's introduce Andrew Ng. Andrew, you know, why don't you introduce yourself? You were heavily involved in Zook. Give us a bit of an intro. My name is Andrew Ng, and yeah. for a period of time in my life, 1993 to 2001, I was the marketing manager of Zook. Yeah, wow. I mean, 1993 to was basically, Were you born yet, man? Yeah, Were you it was born the yet? first eight years of my life. Okay. So, <laughs> I was literally born in 1993. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of these stories. And then, Rennie Gomez. Rennie, your claim to fame is that you were one of the most frequent visitors at Duke. And of course, the fact that you love the place. But how would you introduce yourself? I come from a commercial background where I did a lot, tons of commercials before that. Working with some of the best ad agencies and so on. I stumbled upon Duke about a year or two after it opened. You know, I was looking for, you know, my my wife and I were looking for a place to stay and then, you know, we already had a place in Tampines or whatever, booked or whatever, and I said, no, I can't wait two years, I want, I want a place, you know, so one day I was working in my studio and then this property popped out, it's just near my place, so I took my bicycle, I didn't have a car, bicycle, I went to the property launch area and I said, okay, that's how I'm going to put a deposit, we didn't deposit only 5%, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that, we got that apartment, you know, I mean, and then I moved in, and then next thing you know, somebody told me, really, you know you're near Zook, I said, who's Zook, what's Zook? <laughs> And then he said, you know what, they're just down the road, so... Oh, so you lived in Zook. Ah, and then, and then when I went down the road, and then when I went to Zook, first went to Zook, that's it. Oh, wow. Love, yeah, there was a, love forever. You know what's interesting, what you just said? Yeah. Is, is that reference to like, oh, you just, you, you're near Zook. Why would anyone say that? You know, what does it mean? Yeah. It, it means it means something, right? And that to me shows how the, the influence that we had on people's, on, on, on culture or pop culture in Singapore, on people's lives. And at that period, Singapore was that, unfortunately, Disneyland with the death penalty, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was I, fine city. Yeah. yeah, that was that was nineteen ninety two, ninety three. I just yeah. moved here then, right? And and that was Singapore. And I realized that, wow, that was it. Zoo was this oasis in this. There's this desert. cultural desert, right? Yeah, ah. and that's exactly why we're doing this episode yeah. because. When people think of Zook, they don't just think of a nightclub, they think really of a cultural institution. Mm. Well, I mean, this for you and I, Rove, we know Zook is a place that we don't remember the next day, right? <laughs> we usually black out really hard. We thought we want to like give our listeners a little insight into the foundings of Zook, its cultural heritage and why it means so much to Singapore. I mean, in, even in this day and age, right, people know that name across the island. It's it's synonymous with clubbing. Across, across the world, the world. Across, across the world, the world. Across yeah. The world yeah, 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 yeah. Even more so across the world. So let's start with the beginning, right? Zook actually started with the one and only Lincoln Cheng, who, Andrew, you've worked with. And actually, his background was that he was an owner of a furniture and design business who was captivated by the house music scene in Ibiza, Spain, right? So Zook is actually a word from Antillian Creole, meaning village party. And he was really inspired by all of that. He decided to come back, create a space, because he was increasingly dissatisfied with the lack of night spots in Singapore. So he organized weekly parties at the warehouse, the biggest disco in Singapore at the time, gained a following and said, let me start my own club, 
started Zook. And even back then, the motto was one world, one music, one tribe, one dance. The original building was just three warehouses that were built along the Singapore River. And actually, when the club's management tended for the space, the whole place was dilapidated. The roofs were, were crumbling and it had to be restored to create a modern interior while maintaining, I, I think what's really cool is that it still maintained the traditional warehouse architecture. I, I think we had to. I think that's it's, it's the conservation, oh, worry, that sort of thing. And good. one of the great things about Singapore I love is is conserving yeah. old buildings. And I think the warehouse, that type of warehouse, that that template, whether yeah. it's along the the river, you know, where it's yeah. boat clucky, those those things need to be conserved. So, I think that's important. It started with Zook, the main dance floor. Right, so that that in itself was innovative. It was bringing in a lot of different music, but you eventually introduced, you know, Velvet Future. So tell us a bit about how that was. You know, what's the thought process behind all? Okay, of that? so so when Zook opened, it was it was very very different. So you had the main dance floor, main, the main Zook room. The MTV bar was actually MTV pub actually, and it had live music, and they had to put like a cover band in there. Unfortunately, this is the period where you have to sort of transition the audience to something that is new so okay. you, can't, you can't have too many unfamiliar things wine bar was there uh, from the start the wine bar that sells no wine <laughs> and then where Velvet is started off with a restaurant yeah I remember the restaurant the Zook restaurant doing yeah. Mediterranean food what and yeah, it didn't really work been, out. I it the only ones. Yeah. It, didn't re- it didn't really work out. It was called the Zook Restaurant. It was Mediterranean food. It was the first Mediterranean restaurant in Singapore. It didn't do very well because people it just didn't get it. That was still running for a while. Then next to it was a space. Zook had a KTV. You know. We Zook, had a KTV yeah, in Zook. Zook had KTV I, I, I don't for a very no short way. period of time. That closed down very fast. Yeah, I can't even after, find that after, in my after, research. Yeah, after, yeah, you better look for the flies. Uh, then after that, that velvet space and where the Zook KTV was and restaurant turned into we, we subleased it out to a company that was doing the very first microbrewery in Singapore called Orangutang. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So they had they had their own uh, tanks in there. So it was yeah. a microbrewery. The very oh, first wow. microbrewery. This is back in 92, 93. So I, when I arrived on the shores in, in July 93, pub had become the MTV bar by then. So there's a collaboration with MTV uh, Asia, who was based out of Hong Kong at the time, but they eventually moved their headquarters to Singapore. The time was in Star TV in Hong Kong. And they wanted a presence in Singapore, so MTV Bar was the presence that they had. And, and basically, they're just showing music videos. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's content from them, which is great. Enough of that. When I I joined in '93, we opened Velvet Underground in July '94. So we ended the lease, sublease with our tenants there, the Rangitung Brewery, and then they moved out, and we did Velvet Underground, which at the start was was really hard work. It didn't do well at the start took us, you know, three or four months to, to make it work. And you think, well, three or four months is nothing. But in actually in the club world, three or four months at the time meant something. And you, you had to make it work pretty much from day one to create the hype and everything. And if it takes time to make it work, oh, it's not really, not, you know. Yeah. But actually, we made it work, but, you know, about four months later and then, then it just took off after that. What was the thinking behind Velvet? Because I'm reading here that it was meant to be, you know, more relaxed lounge that was playing house and soul and was supposed to appeal to older patrons. Yeah, so we we had this philosophy, and I always think Lincoln had a great idea. Was that if Zook was the high school, Velvet was the university. Ah. So you you would graduate that from high lovely. school to the to yeah, university. What, yeah. I did feel that because yeah. after a while, I just preferred hanging out in Velvet. You know what? That's, that's true. When we were younger, like eighteen and stuff, we yeah. would be in like the zoo, yeah. the dance floor. Yeah. And then we go up to future in like our, our early twenties. But then we get really drunk. We go back to Zook <laughs> and dance floor. <laughs> and then yeah, exactly. So so Zook, future, and then Velvet, and also yeah, our, yeah. our pricing strategy was the same as well. We had that. 
elevated pricing strategy for that reason. So we opened Velvet in 94, Zoot opened in 91. So yeah. imagine if the, the Zoot clubbers from 91 graduated, they would go to Velvet. So that was that whole progression. And Velvet was a little bit nicer, you know, more soft furnishings, more champagne. Because it's more intimate, you can have obviously have better service and everything. So that was an important yeah. thing for us. It was making yeah. sure that the music yeah. in Velvet and Zook was different. Yeah. And the future, right. of course, after that. So yeah. future came around December 96. Yep. It came later on. By that time, music in the, the dance world scene had, had expanded to lots of different genres. We felt it was time for a more breakbeat. So where there was yeah. drum bass, hip hop, yeah. even, even yeah. indie sounds, alternative rock music we'd yeah. do in future. So that was the whole basis of that was to create another room. Uh, Zook was... Big room sound, what I call big room sounds. It can be techno, house, progressive, trance. Future was, you know, the non four four sounds, you know, drum and bass, uh, breakbeat. Velvet was more soulful house, low BPM, sexy music. Audience that you had in mind was very <laughs> yeah. And, and then wine bar was that chill out space, warm up yeah. space. Yeah, we had that identity. We knew we grew that way, and we knew what we wanted to do. I can That's, I can see Rennie right here just reminiscing. He's, he's having a moment right now. Actually. But it's funny because that same philosophy that started way back in the day actually kind of spills over into what we experience now. Yeah. Right. I, I would say that I definitely feel that whole uh, progression between like what the sound is like, uh, what kind of characters you might see in these individual spaces? Yeah. Those days, well, my definition of a club is a place of like-minded people to mingle and mix. It was very inclusive. It, was, it wasn't, there was no demographic. There was no uh, racial line. There was no income line. There was no what you It was just doing. people coming in. It was just in. people who loved music. Yeah. Nice. And that was it. And who identify with the music. And, you know, you could have people that were school teachers dancing next to lawyers, dancing next to artists. And musicians, or because as long as you love the music, you were there. It didn't matter what your background was, who you were. It was, it was it. We had parents coming with their kids, as in kids meaning their eighteen-year-old kids. Yeah. And the father and mother will be dancing. The, the, the kids would be, be quite embarrassed singing in the corner, <laughs> but the dad and mum would be grooving on the dance floor. I'm sitting. There I love like, that. I said, oh, man, this is it." Yeah. yeah. So I love that's that. what I mean. This inclusivity is what we were doing. And I went to Zook, and then I along came a sound I've never heard before. I said, "Hey, I like this." Yeah, okay. Anyway, by roots, I'm a sound designer. So, but the thing is that, you know, when I hear heard beats and I heard, you know, stuff I, I've never heard on a radio before, and, uh, and it became very progressive after that. Because every other club was mainstream and doing the same music everywhere. You could go and hear the same songs every club you go to. I felt this, I wouldn't say moral responsibility, but a responsibility to the, to the guests who were coming to Zook, who believe in what we're doing, to not only entertain them, but educate them. And that was the thing, it was to convert what you're saying about, like, Rennie, bring people in, appreciating what we are doing, and then hopefully learn more things about what we're trying to do and introduce more forms of music. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just music, it was culture. That's very interesting. Art, culture, fashion. Yeah. yeah. Cool, and and that was one thing, I, I know that Lincoln was very much about the music and the design of the club. Yeah. But having uh, grown up in Sydney and also being very influenced by the scene in New York, just reading from reading magazines, I've never been in New York at the time, where it was always that mishmash of art, fashion, music, you know, performance art, whatever. It was all under that same. And I tried to do that. I was trying to do that whereby we would introduce things to people. And people were like, I always say to people, to some of the you know, customers who weren't sure, oh, what's this thing you're doing this weekend? I said, just 
Just come. Just come and yeah. come and hang out and tell me what you think. Experience and, it. Yeah, right? and, and yeah. you may not like it or you may suddenly become, wow, wow. You know what I mean? And, and that was all I wanted was because we were trying to be just this place that you could introduce people to new forms of entertainment yeah. if, that's, if that's how you want to call no, it. That's a really interesting point because generally speaking for all facets of media in Singapore, the lack of it is in education and providing taste to people, right? And that's a real hallmark of Zoo, like yeah. introducing the idea of different kinds of music, not playing the mainstream. Honestly, it was the best influence. It influenced a lot of how I looked at sound and how I looked at sound, how I applied sound to my commercials. And even then also, I started working on films. You know, um, a lot of people are surprised, you know, that way back then, even when, when Royston Tan first came out, I did his first 15. 15, film. wow. Yeah, 15. The iconic Royston Tan. It was an amazing iconic movie. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing we, movie. We, we yeah. talked about that in yes, contemporary yes, yes. Singaporean movies. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And a lot of the sound design and music in that movie was influenced by the people I met at Zook, sound at Zook, and so forth. Wait, yeah. so you did that, Renny? Yeah, we did. Renny did the, <laughs> the sound for 15? Me and another guy, uh, um, uh, Jonathan, who just started. What? <laughs> I'm sitting among legends <laughs> right now. Okay. <laughs> Sad to say, Jonathan just, just passed away like a couple of Oh, hey, hey. So I mean, he and I worked very well on the the techno pew 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 stuff and on on, and on oh the, yeah, dude. Yeah, in the film because they would do the, the gang guns with like techno stuff. stuff in the yeah, background. Yeah, it was amazing. Honestly, it changed my sound. It changed my perspective on how I view sound and music, and that influenced a lot of the stuff I did in my my film, my commercials. We didn't have my uh, Spotify. Yeah, it was just so a physical. This wasn't a way to get music. And, and our radio stations were just doing mainstream stuff. So, I mean, Zoo was my only plug the outside world let's put it this way uh, Elliot and I had probably our first like actual friendship kind of event at Zook where we, we, we hung out because we we had only known each other on YouTube and we wanted to like actually go hang out get to know each other and we went to we went to Future I remember that was yeah. that was where we actually tried being a young adult trying to mix and mingle Elliot trying, trying to, to teach trying to be me. a young adult yeah. <laughs> yeah Elliot trying to teach me how to pick, pick up, up girls, girls <laughs> and I'm just get, like getting yeah. some drinks listening to some good music I'd love to try to be a young adult like <laughs> <laughs> but those were some great times and it's just so heartening to hear that the philosophy of why they make these spaces kind of carries on many many years later yeah. when we start clubbing like what 20, 2010 2012 yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah let yeah. me add something about what you said now about meeting girls and stuff like that so, so this is very important I don't want to <laughs> and it's really important because some I don't want to sound like oh we're doing this for yeah the music and this stuff it's a bit, bit wanky like come on yeah. at the end of the day at the end of the day what we're trying to do we're doing many things we're also a social catalyst right we are about boy meets girl or boy meets boy or girl meets girl, right? It's yeah. about that. It's about social interaction. It's about a, what we define as a, what is a, the word club? What does that mean? And you, you know what? Zoot was the ultimate community center, right? Let's be honest. You go there like on a given night. And in those days, there's no, you didn't have handphones. You didn't have, maybe you have a pager, you know, with a, ignored it, of course. So in those days. The company I had was better than the pager. No, so in those days, you just, you say, okay, I'm going to go to Zoot on Friday because I'm probably going to bump into a lot of people I know who have like mind. And that was it. You go there, not knowing, not making an appointment with anybody and you, go there and you bump to all your friends because you know they're going to be there. That is the definition of a club where you go somewhere and it's like going home and you know everyone or not everyone but you know that yeah, you, you feel very comfortable. The staff know you. Yeah. You're taken care of. You're building a community, right? But at the same time, I want to emphasize and overemphasize the business aspect of 
of wine bar. Wine bar was a huge, huge base for the people from the ad industry, the media industry, the law industry. So we had, they had different kinds of nights. So it was always a great space to meet people in physical space, in physical sense, and then get the vibe. It's a networking space. Yeah. It's a networking yeah. space. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that was the whole about wine bar, eh? That was the whole idea. It's not, yeah. It wasn't just about, yeah, yeah it wasn't music, just, you know, yeah. but it was all about, you could meet your future wife there, future yeah. husband, yeah. future whatever there. And that was what we were. We were also a social catalyst. I love that, the fact that yeah. you guys use Zook as a space where it felt yeah. safe, yeah. where it felt like it was inviting and yeah. everyone could be there and yeah. be themselves, yeah. right? Uh, I think Andrew kind of shared a little bit about how uh, it was supposed to welcome like-minded individuals. Mm. That That is just a, a interesting way where you use it for both party and business when when we were doing our research we found that actually Zook struggled a bit in its first three years right it had mm. sparse attendance yeah, 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 people yeah. weren't really we had KTV f- there that's the one <laughs> <laughs> no 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 so, 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 so thank yeah. you Andrew no, okay. <laughs> people weren't used to lyricless music people preferred your top 40s you love the fact that it didn't do top 40s but thank the rest God. of Singapore <laughs> but the rest of Singapore did any teenager when they're listening to music Music, right? They go two. There's two routes you can go. You can either just follow the mainstream, listen to the top forty, and you know eventually listen to Kenny G and and, and die, <laughs> or or you try to discover new sounds and try new things and be experimental exactly. because you're just trying to challenge. Because there's a lot of stuff music out there that is really really good, yeah. But it's just it's just not backed by you know record labels. I mean now it's a little bit different because record labels are having much power. But in those days record labels controlled everything. So if the record label didn't promote the music that you were listening to, you'll never hear it. But there's great music out there. So it was about being exposed to different sounds and all this sort of stuff. And and, so, and something that you did must have worked because by 1995, Zook was hosting up to 10,000 people on the weekends. Yeah, I think one of the things that did help bring people into the club was Mambo Jambo, which is the retro night. That mm-hmm. sort of started a little bit bringing people that would never go to Zook to go to Zook, but they got so comfortable being there. So this is the thing about hospitality and what we do is you go to a place, you hear music that you, oh, I like this. But suddenly the people there treat you better. The other customers are really nice as well. Yeah, exactly. You feel like you're at home. Yeah. So eventually the actual music doesn't really... Yeah, it does matter, but in some situations, it's like, I want to go there because I know all the staff. They take care of me. I've seen that so many times, even at Wine <laughs> Zoo. But I've seen instances where, where some of the teenagers, some of the kids out there, and by, by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, they're drunk, you know, and, and they're at a the table. And I saw, remember this girl, she's crying at a table. Probably she had a breakup with a boyfriend or whatever. Then one of the, the Zook managers goes over to her and says, are you okay? Can I call one of your friends? You know, that, you know can I call somebody for you to, to help you out? Yeah, you know, can I call a cab for you? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is building relationships, That kind of right? service, you know, yeah. level of service. Yeah. It goes beyond being you know, local. It's all about drinks and so forth. But it goes beyond about caring. Yeah. For the kids there. This is this is family. This is family. This was an intentional movie. Very family. This is family. I love that. Not only for people that they know, but people they didn't know. People, even the kids that went there, they were like, "Come, we see so many of them broken hearted." And Zook is a jacking across the road where you have a Tiananmen and Lido Palace and all the other you know KTVs there, right? When Velvet first opened, we started getting these visits from these really hot looking ladies and a couple nice. of guys and I yeah. you know, asked them oh where you guys come from oh we, we just came from work I said where do you work you, I work in Lido Palace I said oh, oh okay so these people were coming bring their really rich customers to Velvet 
and the, they loved the music at Velvet. And I remember them telling me, and these were your typical Chinese, they didn't know much about music. They would go to other clubs in Singapore. Oh, they don't play Velvet music there. I said, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, we came back for our Velvet music. I said, wow. Wow, Velvet that was, that was, For the particular brand? Yeah, that what, was... What was they mean by Velvet music back then? They basically house and garage. Yeah. They, they didn't understand that. They just yeah. felt that the music at Velvet was played. Was right, right. All the girls are working girls. And they were, they were there with their... Customers and spending more money for us. Thank you very much. Well said, my friend. Exactly. They identified with what we're doing. Wherever they're from, wherever they do, doesn't matter. I don't care. They love what we're doing musically yeah. as a vibe. And they're here. And, and they were there. Yeah. And that was and when they told me, yeah, we came up for our Velvet music. I was like, yeah, that's interesting. I, I realized that by that time we had cut across whatever segregations, whatever, we were, we had developed an identity that people mm-hmm. could relate to and, so uh, and respond to. Whoever you were at the door, that's kind of left there. And yes. you're inside, yes. you're now just yes, part exactly. of the community. I love that. I love that, dude. Yeah. I wanted to pick up on Mambo Jumbo because I think when you think about Zook, for a lot of people, they actually just equated straight up with Mambo Jumbo. And, you know, as Andrew said, it was introduced in 1992 by launching Tang God It's Wednesday, a monthly retro music event co-organized by Zook and a radio station. 987 FM. Oh. Perfect 10, mate. Okay. Perfect awesome. 10. And that, that evolved to Mambo Jumbo, which was held every Wednesday night. And Mambo Jumbo was a success because every Wednesday night, the the whole place was packed with, with just people performing synchronized dance moves. So yeah. Mambo Jumbo actually started off as a theme night in 91, actually. But it was more, we were doing things like world music, Latin, Bossa Nova, all, all types of music, right. reggae, everything. It didn't work. We evolved it over time and turned it into this retro thing. Now, even when we first started that, the 80s music, the 90s music, it didn't do that well. Until we did this tie with the Perfect Ten, which is 987FM. That was the last Wednesday of the month and they brought in all these kids because this radio is the kids the kids came in somehow realized that they loved the, the music of their parents <laughs> and that was it and i was like my god but you know what it was very interesting and why it was successful for zook was because zook was all about house music it was about the underground yeah and we have this one night a week you know wednesday night wednesday nights nothing is dead in town and it became the hottest night of the week playing music that <laughs> zook will never play it's all ironic it was so ironic <laughs> and we created this whole vibe about that Whereas a lot of the commercial clubs in Singapore at the time would could play that same music, didn't mean much. Yeah. Because Zook did it on a Wednesday night. Then it suddenly became a thing. It became a thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing how the club that was playing house music and techno would make retro the biggest thing in Singapore, hmm. despite the fact that all the other clubs were playing retro every day of the week. Were you a big mumble guy? I love the crowd. <laughs> Yeah, the hand signals yeah. and all that shit, yeah. all that stuff. That was, yeah. uh, I think, that was after my time. Fuck, God. Yeah. <laughs> I love no, 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 no. To hang out at, at the members' bar was just, you know, you can get a panoramic, panoramic view, yeah. panoramic view of, yeah. of, of of the crowd and and the mm-hmm. dance movement. It was it was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it was Singapore as Singapore at its best. Like. You know, they did co- they did member yeah. jammer cl- classes yeah. at some community centre. Uh, uh, I was ringing about just that. To, uh, just to t- teach the old people <laughs> teach how to yeah, go yeah, t- teach it. the senior citizens how to do it. mambo jumbo dances. Especially That's on National it. Day. Yeah. National Day, mambo jumbo was epic because they, they picked some of the National Day songs. So mambo jumbo was retired in yeah. 2012, but... It comes e- back. It yeah, comes back. Every yeah. public holiday, they use it, it as an back. excuse yeah. to bring it back. I remember one of my friends calls himself the mambo prince, Claudio. 
Oh, it could, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's legendary. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's like mumble royalty, right? And he yeah, loves yeah, it. Yeah, he, yeah. He takes I, I it never out. met him, but I he was in he was in the movie that we were Dave Dave Tan, our friend Dave from uh-huh. uh, Electrico. He 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 did a uh, documentary about Mambo Jumbo. Yeah. Claire was there. I, I was in it. I was a bit drunk. Never mind. You see, <laughs> you see, this at this point, I just want to say, you know, like these are Singapore icons. We're all looking for our Singapore identities and so forth. You know, he has K-pop and so forth. But Singapore really had our own branding. We mm-hmm. had Mambo, we had some really, I mean, Zig was number one club in the world or uh, top five or top ten clubs in the world for, the, for a number of years. Simply because, you know, it had its own identity. I used to benchmark ourselves against the rest of the world. So the DJs we brought out, um, the live acts we brought out, we would, I, I, we did a lot of research on what we do, who, what would work, what didn't work. And whenever these foreign DJs would come to Singapore and play, and they go like, my God, this crowd's amazing. They get my music. What did you do? And that boils down to the resident DJs because there's no no point in being a venue that you just book foreign DJs every week and just play what is the biggest thing now if there's no foundation, right? And one thing about, and I'll I'll say this now on record, that uh, during my time we were very adamant to make sure our resident DJs were laying the foundation so that when foreigners came here to play, they were like, wow, this audience here is so clued up. They know their shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. you, go, you go to other cities in the world, you're yeah. like... They the, know their the, shit and they were not high. Yeah. Because a lot of DJs were oh, yeah. like, when you go overseas, you know, you don't know what these guys are on. But in Singapore... They can't be high. Yeah. Yeah. We're all clean. Yeah. We're yeah. all clean. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're a little bit drunk, but yeah. nothing drunk? else. Or nothing yeah, else. But, but, no, but, and drunk. that's really important. They love the music. They love the music. And, and the, the DJs were telling yeah. me, oh, man, that was amazing. You made, yeah. Most of those guys were not. I said, no. Wow, that means their music works and there was something. And, it works. And yeah. it, it, but also because our resident DJs, the local DJs, had, had educated audience to understand this music so that when the foreigners came... It wasn't alien to them. You know, a lot of places you go to, you play this music, you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah, what's going on, yeah, right? <laughs> and, and, and this is the issue a lot now, is that the resident DJs are not given enough respect or given enough platform. I was arranging tours globally to take them overseas and play gigs overseas. You know, this mm-hmm, is the mm-hmm. DJ playing overseas in London or whatever. You need to do that because you need to give credit to the local DJs who are as good, I believe, as... The foreign DJs. So yeah. it's, about, it's about credibility and giving yeah. them the exposure yeah. that, that's yeah. necessary, but You need to right? both. You, you need to, as much as you're working what you're doing here, you need to then take them and bring take them up. overseas and build their careers yeah. overseas so yeah. that p- people know that, wow, reason why Zook is so good is because their residents are amazing. That's, a, that's an amazing philosophy from a working culture for yeah. anything in media, so yeah. to speak, right? Helping. So you were for, very forward-thinking. Uh, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's very forward-thinking yeah. where it's not just about like insularly, we're going to make Zook a great thing, but we need to make the people who make Zook even bigger. There's this thing called marketing called ex- external validation, right? Yeah. So back in, in 97, one of my resident DJs, Chur, He's actually the, the owner of Zookale now, 25 <laughs> years later. But anyway, he, he produced uh, three or four tracks and I got him signed up on a UK label. And this is through attending uh, music conferences and what have you, right? And I uh, met a record label owner who was doing very cool stuff in the UK. And he said to me, hey, send me some stuff from any of your Singapore producers. Let me see if I can release it in the UK. I said, okay, we'll do that. And my point was, I want this release 
globally, and you can only buy it in Singapore on mm. imp- import. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say, wow. fuck it. You know, you can't buy this in Singapore. You got to buy this on import. <laughs> so you go to HMV, and there'll be an import yeah. sticker. But the, my whole point was because in those days, anything released locally was looked down upon. And people, it still kind of is. It and is. That's a, that's so a sad my thing. point was yeah. because if in England I sell ten thousand units, I'm happy with that. Yeah. If I sell if I sell five units in Singapore, yeah. I don't care because I've sold ten thousand in the UK. Yeah. Singapore doesn't know shit. Then that's what yeah. I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, it's so, a branding thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So change the perception. They they change the brand. I mean, we change the way people look at brands. You know. I, I, I brand. agree. I agree. Yeah. And if I sold, if if I only released it first in Singapore and sold five units, I would have given up. It is external validation, and we got media press uh, stories in the UK about. Our, our yeah, DJs but it affirms the DJ itself right yeah, so the DJ feels like damn I can contribute and I am part of this whole movement we don't do things just to be to shock or to make a point that we're doing something very obscure just to you know whatever we mm-hmm. would still look at what people can accept and it's it's Opening up your minds to certain things, not to be so broad that it's is 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 offensive, but uh-huh, open up a bit more so that you can accept things that hey, actually, now that I've listened to this a few times, I actually really like it. In a way, the trendsetters, right? Because they are trying to. It's the Zook brand. It's, it's the Zook brand of yeah. education, saying like this is the latest and the hottest thing. Yeah. It's not reached our shores yet, but you guys are gonna love it in time yeah. to come. This is gonna be the new mainstream. And we're gonna show you the next big. The thing. moment, the moment you guys stop doing that, then you lose your whole brand. Part of why people keep coming back is because you are pushing and you are. They want to feel the next boundary. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. right. I want to pick up on one chapter, right? Because we've talked a lot about how Zook did a lot of things great, but there was one probably dark chapter in in Zook's history, and that's the drug scandal of 1995. So in 1995, the club was on verge of shutting down when it was embroiled in a high-profile drug scandal. In the early hours of 31st of March, 1995, the Central Narcotics Bureau conducted island-wide raids and arrested 32 people, among them nine employees and a director of Zook, as well as various club patrons for drug-related charges. It was reported that drugs were distributed freely, including ecstasy and cocaine. This was a big part of the critique of Zook because people were saying, here's a rising nightclub scene but at the same time is that going to bring vice into everyday Singaporeans people were saying actually ecstasy and cocaine we've never even seen it in Singapore and so at Zook that was the first time they saw it and it included Lincoln as well so Lincoln was arrested and fined $20,000 I remember on the 1st of April that was the Friday 1995 that was our 4th anniversary I was in in the club early because we are doing rehearsals for our anniversary party that night around about 11am I saw a bunch of police walk in and I saw a bunch of my colleagues walking in with their hands behind their back and I was like what the fuck's going on here (laughs) I, I, I don't know why I reacted that way I just kept doing what we were doing because to me it was like I mean I was marketing manager I wasn't the boss of the company at the time so I just kept doing what I was meant to be doing making sure everything was getting ready for the night I remember getting a a call about 5pm to come to the office uh, have a meeting and uh, my my GM and my director told me that what you just said uh, you know a bunch of people have been arrested blah 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 and our license got curtailed. So so the main room was curtailed to 10 p.m. Yeah, so that night we really couldn't really run the party. We had a lot of people turning up to the party, pissed off, saying what's going on. I did. I was up front and centre dealing with the people and dealing with media, dealing with customers and what have you. It was a pretty dark time. It opened our eyes to a lot of things that were 
perhaps going on and we had to sort of like eradicate it and change our, our way of, of approaching how we run the club. Velvet was still allowed to open and MTV Bar was still allowed to open and Wine Bar was allowed to open, but Zook itself wasn't. And that was the main draw at the time. Eventually, we got approval to reopen in November of that year. So we were shut for about... That's like eight months. Eight months? Yeah, eight yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Eight months. That's a pretty I mean, long time. That, that yeah. was a very dark time in the cultural landscape of Singapore, honestly. I mean, people in my circle are very concerned because we lived and breathed Zook back then. My, my personal take was, thank God, Zook still survived through this period, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, it, I mean, it was a glorious day when it, when, when it came back on again. And like all good cultures, the music prevailed. Because music was so strong. They, they, their branding for music was so strong. Despite what they had, the setback that they had, the, the music culture was still the capital thing. Some people thought said to me, Oh, when Zook reopens, it's not going to do well because no people people would yeah. look down upon it because it's a drug no den or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I, I was like... Nah, I'm, I I was very confident. Whole industry turned up that night to Ooh. come and see. Ooh. This is what's going to happen, and then I think the whole industry saw the type of people that we attracted. Ah. The people that were coming back it was like coming home. Feel, I, like I've been, been away from home for eight months. I'm yeah. coming home now. Yeah, yeah. and home. that that thing was yeah. okay. I, I don't want to just use this word, but I'll use it. But it was very spiritual. Yeah. When you were clubbing, did you see drugs being passed around? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, so so this sounds know. like... I was too drunk to see that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. alcohol, bro. Yeah. 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 The culture and the music and the arts of Zook that survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, not that, that went through it. Because I think at the end of the day, when it opened first, after, straight away after that whole saga was over, it opened with a bang and it was boom all over. I, I do remember that. We, 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 we opened in November, end yeah. of November, 95. Yeah. I remember I had Bjork playing... Two shots. Yeah. Bjork was playing. Uh, and she I played two sold out shows in January. No way. It shows me that the community was was strong enough to survive something as reprehensible as drugs. Exactly. Yeah. Zook apparently opened with an anti-drug stance. Like you guys were. We had to. Yeah. Uh, zero tolerance. We had to. So, I so mean, what did you guys change? We would do bag checks. And, right. And this is quite advanced for. I mean, now you do it all the time, but in those days, we did bag checks. Uh, anyone that looked like there were slightly. Off, we yeah. would, not let them in. You know? Right, meaning it's, they look like they were under... Yeah, under yeah. the influence. We had more CCTVs, yeah. posters in the toilets to remind you, don't, don't be stupid. And it was a transformational part of Zook's identity. Yeah. Zook opened up to that. I never felt that down period, you know, where we, we've been through a hard time, whatever. It was like, boom, that's it. We're carrying on from... Where we left off, where we left off, let's go, let's go, let's go. Zook won Night Spot of the Year in 1996. Yeah, right after that. Okay, so this is a story, let me give a little story. So during 1995, we understood that we were going to win that year. And after the drug bus happened, we got a call from the CEO of STB. So we went to see him, me and Lincoln, and he said, look, I just want to let you know that, you know, I will not change the result. But because of what happened, if you guys want to withdraw, I can understand. He was basically telling us, because the integrity of the competition for STB Night Spot of the Year is is paramount. Yeah. They will not change the vote because of an incident. Because yeah. if the judges voted that this is the best night spot, this is the best night yeah, spot, right? Great. But it would have been embarrassing 
for the PSDB to see that yeah, there's some relations with drugs. For drugs is yeah. now the winner of the year. Yeah. So we had a meeting with him, and, and Lincoln was very magnanimous and said, "Look, don't worry, we will withdraw our nomination." Yeah. So that you, that decision does not have to be made. The year after that, next two years or three years after that, we won every year. Right. Wow! So I was very very happy. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. It was a lot of hard work. Even like the government is was very important. To yeah. What tourism? Yeah. And what, which, to be fair, when I was there. I was trying to to make it. it, and then they were like, oh, "Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off." Foreign yeah. tourism until, yeah. until the property people took over. No, yeah. and now it's an icon, you know. Like it's yeah. different. It's it's now something as like a, "Hey, you're in Singapore. Why don't you check out well, Zoo?" You know, when I did the first, okay, to be honest, I want to say this, and SCV will probably hate me for this, but but when we did the first Zoo out, right, we we had good support from Sentosa. STB was like, mm, whatever. Maybe not. Yeah, then after Zucat, three or four years later, Zucat was like their main property. I was like, what the? <laughs> you guys. You know, can we do the idea of doing this outdoor yeah. party? Like, no, no, no. oh, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, we'll give you a little bit of cash. No, and put, we'll put you in see, a, a little program brochure. I said, oh, I love it. Gentrification crap. Yeah, for sure. Time, you know, for with sure. artists. Once we establish a fan base, once we establish, this is like, hey, we believe you this entire time. We were propagating the industry, yeah. the yeah. tourist industry. Now we are problem to the industry. So Zook was on a nine-year lease when yeah. it first opened in 1990. They managed to renegotiate it Maybe for a talks. while. Yeah. But in 2014, Lincoln had to announce that the club would close at the end of the year. URA said can't further extend it. The land that Zook sits on was zoned for residential development yeah. and Zook's function was viewed <laughs> as incompatible. This is the official yeah. stance. Incompatible with the residential nature of the area. Property analysts also stated that the night spot was sitting on prime land that is underutilized in terms of <laughs> economic value. Wow. wow. Can he hear himself right now? Can he hear himself? <laughs> wow. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time. Man. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a wasteland. Wow. Right? It was yeah. a wasteland. Wow. 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 Prior to that, yeah. prior to that, you know, wow. you guys described the start of this entire There's nothing in the area. There was nothing in the area. <laughs> nothing. So Zook had to launch the Save Zook campaign, which I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, were, a, we were all a, somewhat a part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a social media campaign. And by that point, Elliot, you and I were already part uh, of the Zook. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, 10 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2006, 2014 was like when we were 21. So, oh, you know, right, yeah, right yeah, about yeah. that. You were 21, you were 21. I was 21, yeah. Was 21. No, I remember because I, I loved Zook. I have my own personal experiences with it, whether it's my first time going out, whether it's one who, you know, is probably my favorite person at Zook, who is one of the familiar faces I know. One Fuzzlin. Yeah. One Fuzzlin. Our main man. Yeah. He always protected us. One and, is, and he's the welcoming boys. I'll be far out at, at Jackie at the entrance of Jackie you know, at the Copton Hotel. And he'd see me, hey, Really? He's the most welcoming voice ever. Lovely. He, he joined after I left, yeah. but it was interesting. He's great. Yeah. He's amazing. One is one of those guys because I went to college and came back and I would always look for him. When I thought of Save Zook, that was who I was thinking about and, and the community that was oh, there. I, I had I had Save Zook stickers all over. I mean I put it on my on my Facebook, I put it on my laptop, I put it everywhere. I'm in the advertising community I was propagating all the way. Forty thousand signatures. That's how many yeah. signatures. We saved yeah. for two years, right? Save. So that was where the government an announced that they had acceded to a conditional extension. They were allowed to stay until 31st December 2017, provided that it finds a new location by 2015. And actually, one of the locations that they were looking at was the Singapore Flyer, which at that point, I, I was still that. a bit confused by. Really? <laughs> okay, interesting. I'll I, I, I tell you a little secret about that. They had approached me, as in the company I'm now currently with, for Lomi Hall Group. Um, I mean, Zook came to me and said, hey, do you want to come together with us? We'll do the club and you can do, you know, I said, yeah, that's quite interesting. So we, we, we had a chat, but 
But in the end, they didn't have to do that. So they eventually moved to its new premise and its current premise at Clark Key in December 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also in a revamped warehouse. It retains its multi-room concept. So the current spaces are Zook. It's the same big room. There's electronic, house techno. There's Future, which is hip-hop and R&B and has you know graffiti by Singaporean artist Jahan Lo. Uh, there's Capital, which is a dual lounge and club space. It's also, I think it's like the successor to Velvet yep. that has open format music. It has this beautiful luminous ceiling by Japanese artist Tetsuya Tushima. Absolutely. And Capital also houses Queens, which is a hip-hop-inspired cocktail bar. That I love Queens. <laughs> we all love Queens. Yeah. And then there's Red Tail, which is a social gaming bar for pre-party and post-work hangout. As a patron, what's the difference between the old Zug and new Zug? There could be some things that are better. I love the guys at the parents Zug. I mean, they're all yeah. still friends of mine, very good friends of mine. Yeah. You know? I still miss what the old Zug have, a very open atmosphere, experimentation and, and mm. new kinds of music, new kinds of culture. I can understand, I know, you know, when you're running a business, it's always about overheads and you know rental and stuff like that but that's something i totally miss not only in zoo but total music scape of singapore i'm missing that progressive culture i still see that mixture of art culture in a lot of ways it's still there in the brand but you know i i, I can definitely understand things change right so, yeah so i don't the expectations I don't, change yeah, for I, don't, I don't blame them for doing what they have to do maybe what they're doing now is is right for what the current times are like. It is a fine balance. For what it is, you know, back in your days, I would say you've definitely created a monster of an icon. People who are willing to experiment and say, hey, there's something new on the horizon and people who go like, you know what, my mind is open enough to accept this new thing across the horizon. That's such a good point. I never actually thought about it. I I, I just thought we were introducing two friends to the show, Andrew. Yeah, and yeah. But you're right, there's that community and management and it's both sides they're kind of yeah. halfway the, the, the EDM now could be seen as the top 40s of 91 yeah. right there's going to be that group of people that want to go against what is the the norm right the norm being now is EDM back in those days 40 whatever it was what is the underground what is the stuff is niche what's the stuff that people want to be introduced to so, so who's going to take that role Zook still has a very strong brand it has you know Zook Out which is the beach festival we talked about they have Zook at Sea Zook Beach the Zook in KL, Zook in Genting. It's a brand. And now they just announced that there's one in Las Vegas that's going to be open. Really? Yeah. Zook in Vegas? Yeah, so they're really Shit. bringing the brand okay. far and wide. At the end of the day, it's taking it a life of its own. It, there's a story that's being built. We can remember the past and we can reminisce. I know the talent is here. The talent is here. It is within Southeast Asia also. And Zook was a very good Southeast Asian brand. The fact that Zook out still attracts regional yeah. attendance yeah. every year on year. And I think that's the question we'll leave this episode with, right? Because what is the future of the Singaporean brand of music and Singaporean brand of hosting great evenings and nights? Is it going to be tied with Zook? Zook's responsibility the Singapore music culture scene is, yeah. is very there. Yeah. I and, agree. And, and, and Zook is the only one that can do it. The shoulders of everything is on Zook's shoulders. Right? They have Agreed. the clout, the tastes, the brains and the brand, the positioning to make it work. Because whether they want to do it or not, I don't know. For dear listeners, if you guys have any stories from your Zook days, we would love for you guys to share it with us. Kind of like remind us of what Zook means to you, what the music scene means to you in Singapore. I think we're on a reset as long as we can move forward. Yeah. yeah. Everything's fine as long as we move forward. Zook was trying to be not different for the sake of being different, but different because they, just, they believed in something. Yeah. Let's hope that either with Zook that the scene can 
continues or in its own way it continues that's a question we'll we'll have to figure out by ourselves but on that note Rennie and Andrew thanks for coming on the show Thank thanks you for so sharing much. your stories thank you guys um, thank you. enjoyed the whiskey <laughs> on the tables as we <laughs> it was a great catalyst that, right? you, that you drank none of <laughs> <laughs> so